Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. And we have a lot to get into today. So as usual, let's just go ahead and get into it. We have a word on the street segment and uh, two things I wanted to, uh, two major topics I wanted to get through today. And the first of them being, of course, uh, the shooting earlier this week in uh, Texas. Now, uh, this is a town called Uvalde. I believe it's 90 miles outside, 90 minutes away from San Antonio. And uh, on Tuesday, an 18-year-old male Salvador, I believe his last name was Salvador Roma, or Salvador Ramos, excuse me, were walking to an elementary school and just opened fire, uh, killing up to 20 children or 19 to 20 children and also uh, uh, injuring or killing two adults as well, injuring others course he came in here with two assault rifles and he's also have said to have shot his own grandmother and she's currently in critical condition now police will arrive at the scene and pretty much engage with engage in fire with this guy a couple officers were hit and he will continue to exchange fire with the local police as well as border patrol until he was ended, he ended up being shot uh, and killed at the scene now this time i'm not uh you know, I have no issues with the use of force. They shot him and killed him. I think that's what you would do in an active shooter situation. Um, you know, that's me. He's firing at you guys. You would shoot him. Now, if he was unarmed, then, hey, you know, that's the issue. Again, that's what people's issues have been. I'm just trying to let y'all know. Again, I have no issue with him being shot because, again, he was actively busting at people and busting at the police and he hadn't given himself up. And, yeah, that's what happens. It's gunfire. But, again, there's no real, at least, you know, news has, pro news, of course, will come out and, and matriculate, matriculate as we, you know, move, you know, move through the days. But no real origin on how he had, he obtained these weapons. Uh, at least from my understanding, this shit, what I had, you know, up until this point have read into course as the days continue to, to come and, you know, transpire, we'll figure out more and more details. Uh, my only, my only guess on how he could have attained these, um, weapons being that he was just 18, um, maybe a parent already had these, maybe somebody he already knew, you know, it leads to so many questions and, you know, I don't. I don't like to say a red herring and all this type of stuff and go too conspiracy on you guys, but it's just situations like this. It's just really weird. I mean, again, you don't know how he came across these weapons. We don't know who uh, he's involved with uh, necessarily, uh, you know, other than he's a high school student in the area. He was a high school senior, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, and it's just the, the multitude in which these, these shootings are occurring. I, I You know, I, I don't know what you know, is, is, you know, the stage that they're trying to set things up for, you know, and that's, that's really crazy, but again, uh, there's going to be some type of response to these, um, you know, shootings, uh, the talk of more stringent laws and codes or whatever, uh, California and Gavin Newsom, he's one of the main ones pushing that will have to detail what he has going on, 
um, in the future. Because again, Democrats, what they've been doing so far is just talking and just saying how, you know, they're so saddened and so you know how they do. They appeal to your feelings before they actually do anything, if they end up doing anything really substantial. So we'll have to wait and see. And as those things come along, they, you know, publicize these things. We'll talk about them, you know. But now they're appealing to the people's feelings. Yes, it is a tragedy. Uh, not to take anything away from that, but it's, you know, it's time to, to start something. Now, again, uh, the question is, you know, how are these guns being attained and why are these guns, you know, these type of weapons, you know, being made available to the regular public in the first place? I mean, these are some of the questions that we should have. But again, maybe as time we can answer these questions until then, you know, uh, rest in peace to the victims. These we're talking about uh, really young children, third, fourth graders. And, and that's the biggest, and even if we were to, to look at it as some type of false flag, because you know how these, uh, you know, we want to call, what do you call them, the QAnon folks want to be, even if we wanted to say that, look at the people that had to be sacrificed just because of that, so fuck all that dumb shit, fuck all the conspiracy, put that aside and, and think about the lives, the lives lost, and uh, it, it's bullshit how these situations keep happening, and, and it's regular people. You know, whether it's the people in the black community, whether it's the people who went to Vegas that one time and were just enjoying their life and their vacation up until these school shootings, these children, these random fucking people. That's what gets me. Gangsters shoot each other fucking. Police die in the, in the line of duty. Sometimes it happens. We do, we do cry about, people cry about that. I don't, you know, always depend on the cop. Just saying, you know, if he was a racist douche, I ain't, you know, hey, you know, but people go to war, I respect them guys, they, people pass, I care about that, I, that gets to me, because people willingly choose to defend, you know, their their values and their country, so I gotta have some respect for that, so when they pass, you know, you, you know, it's all, you know, man, you know, wasted life, you know, it, you know, you, but you get that, you know, military, people, you know, lose their life in the military, but the random people, the moms and the dads and people's kids. Why? To set precedents? To pass bullshit? I, I would hope... I, I Again, you don't want to go down these stupid-ass rabbit holes sometimes, but then you think about it. But at the same time, even if you, know, even if you want to say that, you have to sit there, and sit, there, sit there and still acknowledge that people are being sacrificed. That is the biggest thing that I just can't deal with. That, that irks me. Children had to die. Children are dying because people want to be violent. People want to shoot up people, and we and we can't even uh, we can't even address that issue, the, the 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 issue, the gun violence, you know, in any community. We can't we can't address it as a whole because we're you know the, we have this conservative white voting base that says no you're going to strictly take away everything no we just want the crazy motherfuckers to not have access to them we don't think assault rifles need to be purchased by everyone that's all that it really is you can't address it in a black community without being a coon if you're saying blacks shouldn't shoot other blacks so it's like what the fuck do you do so it's like I don't I, you know you're putting a rock in a hard place you keep watching these shootings happen all across the country and you're saddened by it 
and you just hope that one day maybe you can have the proper dialogue and to some and maybe hopefully something will change in terms of some legislation i'm not i'm not asking for people to be stripped of laws or or rights to have guns i think that's preposterous but i think at some time at some point in time people need to be held accountable for their actions and at some point you maybe you do need to curtail how certain weapons are distributed who's getting swept people who have records violent records violent histories maybe shouldn't have them i'm sorry you blew your chance you had the chance to to to, to be a responsible gun owner and you, you blew it so maybe you shouldn't have them just saying you you don't pass a a you know a certain background in terms of mental stability you shouldn't have a weapon i'm sorry that's just how it should be because i i don't think we should risk putting a gun in your hand so you can go around and fuck around and shoot somebody because that's all that's that's all that these active shooters have in common one of the main things they have in common anyway they have some type of mental disturbance so why would we want y'all to have i'm just saying y'all saying you can say what you want to say about me and how i feel about that i said what i said i don't want certain people to have guns people that don't kill somebody or more likely to shouldn't have them now they say how you feel about I don't care how y'all feel about that. I'm tired of people getting shot for no fucking reason. Now, I'm tired of people being, I'm tired of the rate and the risk rising for people. I think that's bullshit. Now, we'll talk about that later. Anyways, one more topic we need to get into. The U.S. and China. Of course, another thing that Republicans and conservatives want to, you know, try to bash the Democrats and particularly Biden for being buddy buddy with China again it's blowing up that that lies blowing up in their face again that's never been true President Biden said on Monday that he backs Taiwan's sovereignty even promising to defend the country militarily if attacked by China which uh, basically uh, you know this caught catches everybody off guard including his his little you know his little constituency because his constituency wants the one China policy because it's still peaceful, at least on the surface, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I guess Biden needed to sound tough. and But he kind of makes a point here, though. The idea that it could just be taken by force is just inappropriate. It would dislocate the entire region and be another action similar to what happened in Ukraine. Again, from the outside looking in, I agree with that. Also, it's also a, a double-edged sword because I don't think we need to be getting involved in that. Uh, again, this is kind of the way it is. Uh, we need to make sure our infrastructure is right and make sure nobody is going to be able to overtake us. Uh, as much as I understand our allegiances, I get it, but I, I'm not sure. Because, again, we fuck around and get into some type of world conflict. We're talking about another draft, possibly. We talking about conscription. I ain't trying to be in this motherfucker's military. And I don't want too many people having to be forced to be in this type of shit. Because these these wealthy people and these aristocrats, you know, turned politicians want to dictate how they want to, you know, flex their power amongst each other. And try to dictate to us on a, you know, national level. You know, and y'all can't see that, that game there. So I, I'm not trying to get wrapped up in some world conflict. But anyways... Uh, now, this is the response from China because, again, they don't like the U.S.'s stance in this. They want the U.S. to stay out just like Russia wanted us to stay out of Ukraine, which 
on the surface you you get but at the same time we'll get into why you know it is the way it is at least to some extent now look again so this is the response coming from china this is coming from their foreign ministries uh, spokesperson wang wenbin he goes on to say on issues concerning china's sovereignty territorial integrity and other core interests china has no room for compromise so again they're not backing down they don't care who gets involved obviously uh, they feel that this is a matter of their sovereignty and their, of course, like we, they said, core interests. Again, territorial type of shit. So, again, it is what it is. And we'll explain more about Taiwan and AKA. Well, yeah, we'll explain more about their the two places, their connection in just a second. Now, there's two mindsets that I don't agree with right now. Um, coming from both camps. Coming from Biden and, of course, China. And uh, from Biden, uh, the big thing here is that he's pushing is some kind of conflict, uh, major conflict will most will most likely not happen. I don't agree with this. Both countries have already shown military mobilization uh, over the past couple of years. They've been engaging uh, at least on their local level, uh, whether it be China or Taiwan with the assistance of the U.S. at some points and also South Korea. Uh, they've been conducting military drills, whether it be by air, sea, land, military operations, all that type of style, uh, that type of stuff, scouting each other out. Uh, and this is, again, Taiwan and China. They've been doing this for the past, well, I would say almost five years now, uh, just kind of going back uh, into certain news articles about what's going on. Uh, but definitely ramped up probably within the last three, three, two to three. Uh, now, uh, over the past weeks, uh, China, excuse me, just sent 14 jets to Taiwan's air defense zone last week while Biden was there visiting. So obviously they're, you know, making statements at each other. Uh, Taiwan, like I said, they've been, you know, on their own trying to, you know, get their stuff together military wise. They've been doing training exercises again, scouting out China and, you know, also, Taiwan's foreign ministry will has recently said it will continue to improve its self-defense capabilities and deepen uh, cooperation with the U.S. and Japan and like-minded countries. So they're not looking to get involved with China, the main with mainland China. Uh, they're looking to be their own entity and they are looking to take advantage of the help that they have with the u.s and japan and other countries like they said and they're going to keep going into their self they're going to keep improving their self-defense capabilities I, i'm guessing well of course uh you know the conscious mind would say inevitably for some type of uh you know rebuff from china now this is the argument that i have uh, well this is the, the main kind of uh, argument that i'm hearing from china and their idea and this is what I don't agree with from them. Now, ta uh, Taiwan, aka, well, it's still a part of China, but this is a you know separate name. Uh, but Taiwan is still a part of China, and they have a right to see the territory. Now, the reason why I do not feel uh, as though th it is still a part of what you will call mainland China, aka ran by Beijing and the Communist Party, is the fact that there has been a civil war uh, in that country earlier in the 20th century, and it lasted through almost about the 60s to almost the 70s. And there's very there's uh, two distinct ideologies and uh, political, uh, you know, 
modes of operation for you will say mainland China, which is communist, and again the island nation of Taiwan that it's become. It's still you they still refer refer to themselves as the Republic of China as well, which makes things kind of a, a confusing because of course you have Red China or China with again with Beijing as its capital known as uh, the People's Republic of China. So it's it's a little bit confusing. Uh, they're all really ethnically the same people uh they still speak chinese uh the chinese languages uh you know so it's uh, probably different dialects of course but again uh it was uh, taiwan declared itself its own territory uh this was all kind of uh you know i think sealed up in a, a u.n vote back in the 70s some countries uh some countries you know do respect Taiwan as its own country, including, you know, the U.S. and, you know, their allies. Some countries don't, including China, of course, its allies. So, again, it's it's a, it's a breeding ground for some type of proxy war as well. So, you got to be careful of that. But, again, Taiwan has, had, well, at least, the you know, what the area that they call Taiwan is still, you know, also known as, and call it also because it really is known as this as well, the Republic of China, Taiwan, a.k.a. the Republic of China, has fought a civil war against mainland China, and they've separated. So I don't think it's a matter of, you know, they really are the same country. It, you know, in China's mind, they want it to be, but no, uh, not not in how they operate the country, their countries, not in terms of anything. That's why you have, you know, Hong Kong wanting to break away because, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, there's China, and then there's all these different enclaves and all that as well. So Macau and even... You know, if you even add Macau, even they're a little bit more liberal. Uh, even Shanghai is like its own little type of city state within China because it's very liberal, very different than the communist, you know, very rigid law of mainland China and well, ran, aka ran by Beijing, its capital. So I, you know, I don't see that they're two same uh, uh, equal nation. I don't see that uh, China is, is lying to itself. It, only to justify what it could consider to be a, a takeover on its end i mean because that's just i mean again it has to be greed and it has to be you know some type of you know just want to take over because they're not i mean again they're ethically the same but it's like imagine this uh, if, if if for you will imagine the uh remember when we had our civil war confederates versus the union now the confederates for what it's worth lost the war but they were continued to, they would allowed they were allowed to continue uh, to kind of exist, and they existed in an. I, let's say they existed in the Florida Keys, and they still developed, you know, their their country, another country. Let's say they developed their own type of nation. They kept slavery. They kept, you know, their type of law, their military, pretty much, and developed it. It got stronger. They made ties with other countries. Of course, became a recognized nation to some. Same type of deal here with Taiwan, a reckon, a, not a recognized nation to others imagine that that country although it might be u.s and u.s area or u.s territory whatever next to those the union in the mainland united states it's not going to be they're not two countries they're not together they fought a civil war there's they, again they're distinctively different they will not see eye to eye that's they're not going to be one china just like that we would not be one nation that's why again again i see why we had our civil war again to maintain that union um, and there might be some type of conflict again to maintain what china at least mainland china believes to be their type of union um i i don't know how that would end up for them 
um, you know, again, the hope is that they're able to, Taiwan is able to defend themselves like Ukraine was able to do with Russia and still is doing to an extent, but you don't know. Uh, but again, it is kind of part of what, you know, these countries and these governments do with each other. And that's kind of the way of the world. Unfortunately, I don't know as America, we need to always get involved in these things because again, it's, it's a powder keg and they're kind of waiting for us to get involved for it to be this big conflict that we honestly don't need because of the threat not only you know the threat of just getting anybody involved that doesn't need to be but also nuclear as well because again all these different countries have nukes so remember that always remember that when there's a worldly when there's a threat of a world conflict all right y'all i'm gonna take a break from this when we come back we're breaking down some mlb of course we have some news to go over um starting off with matt harvey we have some historic historical stuff to talk about as well and also we're going to get through the scores from yesterday aka thursday and then we're going to go into the uh, go into the standards excuse me going into the weekend uh we're at friday friday morning early friday afternoon uh we do have some action going on but we'll be looking at uh some of the uh some of the standings going into this uh going into today so i'll be right back y'all and uh i hope you guys are enjoying so far some baseball news and uh, one of the biggest stories right now is the uh, sentencing of Matt Harvey now uh, of course he's a pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles he was recently suspended 60 games for violating the MLB substance abuse policy pretty much passing out pills uh, to players on his squad as a member of the Los Angeles Angels around the death of Tyler Skaggs in 2019 as a matter of fact he even gave a few pigs to few pills excuse me to skags himself now his suspension is in connection with his testimony of former communications uh, communications director for the angels eric k who currently faces 20 years in his role on the sudden death of skags now uh, another uh pitcher uh, back then for the angels uh, as a matter of fact now harvey's testimony has cleared him from criminal pro uh, prosecution now of course uh, this might be labeled you know, might put him under the label of a snitch or a rat. Uh, but for what it's worth, we know more about the unfortunate death of this young man, Tyler. So I think with that being said, um, we know that. We know we kind of know what led to it. We know who was behind it pretty much. And I think we can we can at least know that. And I think his soul can rest in his parents and his family uh, can at least have some understanding going forward with their life. So it is what it is. We have to look at it for that, too. Now, Harvey was one of five players who received oxycodone from K, uh, including uh, current uh, Colorado Rockies players CJ Crone, Cam Rodishan, Mike, I believe that's uh, Mike Moke. 
I think that's Mike Moeki, uh, also Blake Parker. Now, none of these players were facing suspension despite, uh, well, outside of Harvey, because Harvey actually passed some pills out of his own. So that's why he got suspended. And, of course, uh, I guess, you know, how all this led, and definitely how all this led to what happened to Skag. So that has, I think that has something to do with it as well. Uh, but he, like I said, he's facing 60 games. And like he said from his own account, uh, he would tell prosecutors that he would give uh, some pills himself to Skag. So he said about three or four pills uh, around that same time that he ended up passing, unfortunately. Um, he described them as pink pills, and he doesn't know if they were oxycodone or something else. And uh, this would be uh, what led to his suspension, you know, him passing these pills out to players. Now, Harvey, uh, he, was a, he was a star um, at one point in this league. Uh, he was a Cy Young candidate back in 2013 for the New York Mets. Uh, but his career would take a back seat due to some injuries. Uh, back in 2005, or sorry, 2015, excuse me, he would have Tommy John surgery. It's a serious uh, surgery uh, involving uh, some type of ligament. I don't know exactly uh, where. I believe it's around the elbow, somewhere around uh, that area. But it's very, it happens to NFL quarterbacks as well. But it's more devastating to a MLB pitcher. And uh, it, it's some of, for some of them, it's hard to come back from. It takes a lot from their arm strength and, and velocity and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, he would come back from that. It would help the, uh, the Mets reach the World Series, uh, but has struggled since that time. Uh, he's posted a career ERA of 5.92. Uh, he's also uh, played for four different teams in that time, including the Reds and the Royals. And last season with the Orioles has been one of his, probably one of his worst seasons on the mound. Uh, going 6-14 as a starter, 6.27 uh, ERA in 28 starts. Uh, definitely, you can say injury has played some part of that. Of course, you know, just kind of maybe regressing to some extent. And even just all the demons he's facing, particularly, you know, with the last couple of years. And um, before we pass judgment, I, I know a lot of you guys probably aren't already. Uh, but just to kind of give you guys a, uh, a better vision of what's going on. Uh, these guys, uh, they get caught up particularly with these pills per se. It's not necessarily what they want to do just to get high or this is just something for recreation. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, just in case, I, I, I don't know why I feel like I have the need to feel the need to do this, but I just wanted to put this out there. You know, a, a lot of these guys are just in pain. And of course, they are, you know, recommended by their doctor first to do all these things. But, um, Little do they know that these, these things are so habit-forming and so addictive that it becomes a physical dependency and, you know, what you would call even an addiction. And it leads them down to these, these scary uh, deaths. So, uh, it, you know, it's not, you know, it's not just like, you know, you know, ravers at the club. They, you know, they want to pop pills. You know, they want to have fun with the E and shit like that and the mollies and whatever. They, they're feeling themselves. No, this is, you know, these are athletes that, uh, you know, pushing their bodies to the brink every day. They play with a lot of anxiety, particularly for the pitcher uh, position. And, you know, they get into these injuries and they're in pain. They're in devastating pain that you and I probably won't understand uh, as a, as a non-athlete, as non-athletes, uh, you know, particularly the non-athletes. Now, the athletes, hey, y'all gonna know. Uh, but the ones who ain't getting down like that on a daily basis uh, for a, a living um, on any level, um, you know, we, we, we wouldn't know. 
and uh, you know, and they're trying to, to to remedy that pain, and that's the best way they do. And like I said, they don't they don't understand the real uh, consequences, and just like a lot of people in this country uh, have gotten that gotten into that opiate addiction, and uh, it's it's a little bit frightening how easy it's been for our people to just get strung out on that, and uh, it's. Uh, something that you know, all levels of people have to work with, different classes, different races, uh, you know, different areas in this country in terms of geographical region. None of that matters. Uh, it's just you know, it's pain, it's physical pain, and again, it, it's something that isn't an addic- it's an addictive way to to treat it. And um, you know, again, our doctors, our medical system doesn't care, and uh, yeah, the doctors don't care either, and you know, they just want to do what's affordable for them. And at the same time, it's, you know, it might be affordable for us because, of course, insurance covers all that shit and all that. But look at what you got to go through. But anyways, let's uh, talk about a little bit of positive stuff. Let's let's move on from that. Now, let's talk about some history that was made in the MLB. Now, recently, uh, within the past couple of months, there's, uh, like I said, uh, history being made, at least in the independent league level. Now, uh, uh, Kelsey Whitmore signed a contract with the Staten Island Fairy Hawks of the Atlantic League, and uh, she became the first woman uh, pretty much affiliated with Major League Baseball. Now, uh, the Atlantic League is considered a partner league, which is pretty much a step above or a step below what you would call our minor league. So the AAA or the single-A, triple-A, you know, single-A, double-A, triple-A, you know what I mean. Uh, so pretty much a step below that. Now, she previously played for the Sonoma Stompers of the Pacific, uh, the Pacific Association, the, I think the Pacific Coast Association, uh, again, another independent league there, and uh, she's pretty much a two-way player, uh, so on a, you know, along the lines of Shia Otani, so uh, a woman version of that, so that's cool, you know, again, uh, she was on the U.S. baseball team 24, uh, from 2014 to 2019, where they would win the gold, and she would compile an ERA in that time. Uh, again, that's five seasons, a 1.35 ERA. Now, that's pretty cool. I think, uh, you know, there is some differences to her schedule. Uh, it might be a lighter schedule. It might lead to a, you know, a somewhat really low ERA. But I, feel, I still think that's solid. I still think that she can translate at least to the minor level, to the independent level of the MLB to an extent. Uh, she played in the 2015 Pan, Pan American Games. She will win uh, 20, uh, sorry, silver. Uh, in the sorry, she will win gold in the 2015 Pan American Games, silver in the 2014 Baseball World Cup, the Women's World Cup, and she's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much in the baseball her entire life. She was a, uh, she went, she ended up going to college at Cal State Fullerton, uh, playing softball there. If anybody who doesn't know, uh, Cal State Fullerton has a great baseball softball program, if I'm not mistaken, as well. And, uh, you know, she made her first starts in May. Uh, she uh, started off on offense in the outfield and as a pinch hitter. Uh, she also started off as a relief. She started off, also made an appearance, excuse me, as a reliever on the mound. Uh, she pretty much did a decent job as well. Her team uh, had bases loaded, uh, but she was able to clear the side uh, with a strikeout, I believe, in one in one instance. Also was able to get some ground out. So it looks as though she seems to know what she's doing. Now, do I think she translate all the way into the MLB? I think size-wise, I believe she's about 5'8", 140. I don't think so. Uh, personally, uh, but that's not to put down her skills. And the thing about it is, the reason why I look at it 
on the surface, and I think it's cool. For one, I know you'll hear a lot of guys, particularly on the conservative circuit, say, nah, man, this is weird, this whatever, this shouldn't be happening. I personally think baseball, basketball even, volleyball, um, are all communal, communal type of sports, meaning, you know, they're co-ed. You can play them with men and women. Like, you can, I mean, basketball is a, is a type of sport, you know, and baseball is a type of sport, in my opinion. Like, you can, you can have, like, say, for instance, like, you're at the park. Like, you can get your kids and you can get, like, you can get your wife, your kid to play up against somebody else's wife and kids. You know what I'm saying? It's like that type of sport. Same thing with basketball. You know, you can get two or three people together. You can have a decent game of basketball. And you might not be able, you won't be as physical as you will with, you know, a guy as you would a girl. But again, I mean, you still, you know, you can still play, you know, with, you know, baseball. I know girls that throw way harder than me in terms of baseball. So, I mean, don't let it fool you. You know what I'm saying? Baseball, I feel like it's one of those sports where you, you can kind of get You could probably get away with it. I, I don't think that she can play in the big time pros per se, but maybe single A, double A maybe. I mean, she's already at the independent circuit playing. Uh, she doesn't seem to be bad. Uh, she seems to be improving, at least in hitting. I think that's the, the main uh, issue she has been having. Uh, from what I hear, but she seems to be a solid player overall. I mean, I don't have a problem with it per se. Like I said, I think that baseball is a sport that anybody can play. You can have a, a mixed squad like that. I mean, who cares? I mean, sheesh. I mean, it's like a pickup game. It's like those are the ultimate pickup games. Football, you can play a pickup style too, but of course, on a professional level. I mean, I just don't imagine, you know, a, unless she's a big, burly woman. I mean, I just don't see her one to just really or see her being effective at football. And I just, that's, that might sound discriminatory, but hey, it is what it is. But I think she can coach football. I think a woman can learn football and scout football if she's watched it enough, if she's been around it enough. I think she could do that. I mean, there's, uh, for example, uh, they do a lot of scouting. And I think that's, uh, for example, uh, Chelsea Whitmore, one of her former teammates, can't remember her name off the top of my head right now. She works as a scout for the uh, for the Boston Red Sox. So again, I mean, I have no problem with that type of shit. I mean, that's what they do. I I don't again. I don't have a problem with them playing, um, you know, these sports. Again, I mean, the football. I mean, I I don't think their body is meant for that. Made for that per se. That's too much going on for them. Uh, and what positions would they be, you know, suited for? I, I mean, I I just don't see a woman being an offensive lineman. Or defensive line, defensive end. They just don't come that big. They just don't. They're not that big. <laughs> I can see her catching maybe a screen pass, but damn, I mean, whew, she better be ready to get. Now some of them can play. Now I ain't gonna lie, I've seen some women football leagues. So again, hey, it is what it is. Um, I don't want to sound too too uh, misogynistic because again, I I definitely think Kelsey Whitmore finding her way into you know even independent league is pretty solid. I mean that that speaks volumes to how good of a player she truly is. Again, you'll you'll have somebody like a Jason Whitlock telling you, oh, it's a it's a it, it's it's an example of uh, how our society is is ru is being ruined by the left. Again, I I don't. I mean, I, I think if you talk to her, you probably realize she's, you know, she's down to earth, humble. She's not even probably caught up in all that type of shit. Uh, you, you, you'd be surprised. I don't know. You, you, you got to get to know these people. Y'all put so much, you know, because of their, their belief systems, they put so much emphasis on how, oh, I don't know. It's just weird. And again, if I come across anything crazy from, you know, like a Jason Whitlock or a more conservative talking head about this situation, don't don't get me wrong. I'm definitely going to be sharing that here just because I just think it's so silly about how 
oh, the emphasis on where we where we feel women should be in this society. You know what I'm saying? Like I just think it's it's ridiculous. Now, gender roles should exist to an extent. Don't get me wrong. Again, uh, but at the same time, they should again. People should be allowed to pursue whatever type of career that they're suited for based on their you know experience and their you know expertise. She plays baseball very well. It's no biggie. It's no biggie to me that she finds herself in the minor leagues or close to it. I, it's just, it's just what it is for me. I'm not. It's not a big deal for me. But let's move on to the scores uh, from Thursday. Uh, we're gonna move into the standings going into the weekend as well. Like I said, we do have some action going on as we speak. But again, this is what we have for right now. But let's go into uh, the scores. Like I said, uh, it starts off with the Reds. Again, they get a blowout win on the Cubs. You don't see the Reds play like this. You haven't seen the Reds play like this so far this year. I don't know what's going on. They just had one of those nights where they were, I guess they were frustrated. They were getting mad. They were getting picked on. They said, we're going to embarrass somebody. Let's just embarrass the Cubs. The Cubs have been struggling themselves. So, hey, it is it is what it is. Uh, final score, Reds 20, Cubs 5. I told you it was super ugly. Uh, the Reds, though, are 14 and 30 on the season. The Cubs, like I said, they've been struggling too. They are 18 and 26. For the Cubs, shortstop Nico Horner will get you a home run. Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ bringing home runs as well. Uh, DH, Frank Schwindel. Yes, the DH is in the NL now, NL now, and I love it. I believe it makes perfect sense. Pitchers can't hit for shit. I don't know why they're wasting our time with it. Pitcher Justin Steele will get the start on the mound. You know, terrible, terrible start from him. Uh, he takes the L in this one. He's currently 1-5 on the year, but he only put in two innings of work, seven hits, seven earned runs. The bullpen didn't do too much better. 13 hits, 13 earned runs on their end. Andrelton Simmons, it got so bad they put in Andrelton Simmons. I don't know why. I, the injury report only has like one reliever kind of out. Maybe that's why. I, I guess they ran out of people. Five hits, five earned runs from him alone. All bad. They put him in at the in at the end of the game. All bad. Just just a badass game for the Cubs. Both of them are trash. Both teams are trash, though. Let's just be honest with ourselves. But the Reds, they've won back to back. Uh, Kyle Farmer had a pretty damn good game in this one. Four for four, two home runs, five total RBIs, three runs scored on his own. Uh, center fielder Nick Senzel will go four for four as well. Uh, RBI from him, three runs scored from him. I also believe Tommy Pham got an RBI um, as well. Uh, but on the mound, pitcher Hunter Green will get his win. Uh, two for six on the year, five innings of work, seven hits given up. Three, sorry, five home, five earned runs, including three home runs he gave up, and he also had six strikeouts. So, hey, man, um, he got the job done by default but because <laughs> they just scored so many points. But not so much a great game on his end, but, again, he gets the W. Uh, this was the most runs scored uh, by this squad since 1999. Oh, but a, a, one good thing to say about the squad yesterday, the bullpen didn't do that bad. They just gave up one hit and one earned run. So, Again, a bad, a bad, a bad outing from the starter, but the bullpen, you know, rallied the troops, to, so to speak. Uh, moving on, my A's, they take another loss. Again, it's been a struggle this year. Uh, this time to the Rangers, four to one was the final score. The Rangers been looking decent as of lately. Uh, they're three games below 500, uh, 20 and 23 to A's, 19 and 28 for the Rangers. Uh, Nick Lowe will get a two-run home run in the ninth to kind of just blow things away. It was kind of close. We had a chance. Uh, but again, that that just sealed the deal for us. 
Adelise Garcia, also third baseman Andy Abanias will get RBIs as well. Pitcher Martin Perez, uh, in a cruel twist of fate, had a really solid outing on the mound. Seven innings of work, excuse me, four hits, only was charged with one earned run, had six strikeouts. And uh, But Matt Bush, given the win with just one inning of work, just gave up the one hit. But damn, uh, Matt Bush, like I said, given the win in this one, two and one is his record so far in the year. Hey, that's just that's just baseball and enigma. I don't understand. I don't see how you don't get the win after seven innings, but I'll never know. Somebody who knows baseball, please tell me. Somebody. Somebody. Joe Baller will get the save his eighth of the year. For the A's, they will go zero for seven with runners in scoring position. You can't do that. Um, and again, it's just if you look at the A's, uh, they were one of the worst hitting teams in terms of, terms of average on base. All that, we're not getting any runs like that. So our run differential is trash. We've talked about all this. And uh, just another example, left fielder Chad Pender was able to score only one run. Great. Um, Frankie Montes, uh, you know, one uh, silver lining about this game. Uh, as usual, we have solid pitchers, you know, but we're always up and down in terms of hitting. Sometimes we're really good at hitting and don't have pitching, so, you know, I can't even say that. But anyways, Frankie Montes would have a good start. Seven innings of work from him, zero earned runs, 11 strikeouts, but uh, things would fall apart. Lou Trevino, uh, he had a chance to kind of uh, set us up for, you know, maybe extra innings or something like that, a chance, again, to kind of steal the win. Uh, not that not gonna happen two hits two earned runs off those and just again that's what uh, you know that's what set it up you know that's what you know that's what blew the game open uh, I think we gave up another uh, set of, uh, no 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 that was pretty much what sealed the deal no no maybe two more runs after that uh, I think after he was replaced but again just the lack of being able to put runs on the board is what's is what's killing us because the pitching isn't that bad you know like I said, Montes had a great start. He was able to go for seven innings, 11 strikeouts, no earned runs. So, again, it was, again, it, the, the relievers, you know, gave it up, yes. But if you're, if you're generating some type of runs, you offset that. If you, you know, the game was, was blown open uh, at that point in the bottom of the ninth. And, you know, we had no answers for that. You know, we hadn't had any answers offensively for the entire game. So, just a struggle, struggle on Oakland's standpoint. And, it's just sad. Only three thousand people came to that game, and it's just, yeah. Um, but we're gonna get deeper into the A's. I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta come back to them. We're gonna get even deeper. So, look out for something uh, about them soon, uh, either on this podcast or on YouTube. Just, just letting y'all know. Uh, but the Blue Jays got a win against the Angels, six to three. The Guardians they take a loss here to the T Grays, three to four. Uh, we have the uh, Yankees getting a win here against the Rays, seven to two. We have the Red Sox uh, again. It was something about yesterday, uh, something in the water yesterday. Just was a day where people just want to score a whole bunch of runs. Red Sox beat the uh, sorry the Reds. Yes, the Red Sox beat up the White Sox, sixteen to seven. The Red Sox are twenty one and twenty three. The Red Sox are five hundred at twenty two and twenty two. Trevor Story. Uh, story of the story of the week, the month uh, of the MLB season at this point for the Red Sox. Again, coming from the ashes, really becoming an offensive powerhouse for this team. Uh, three run home run, two RBIs uh, in two RBIs total for him. Uh, or sorry, three run RBI, two RBIs after that. He's an offensive machine. Uh, sorry, Kevin. Uh, sorry, catcher Kevin. Uh, Plasecki, two-run home run from him. Enrique Hernandez gets a solo home run as well. Alex Verdugo gets you three RBIs. And on the mound, pitcher Michael Watcher 
Uh, he doesn't get the win here. Uh, he has a very, uh, very inconsistent start in this one. Four innings from him, seven hits, five five earned runs charged to him. Uh, John Schreiber will get the W, his second of the year. And the bullpen, not too bad. Um, you know, three hits, two earned runs, enough to seal the deal. Of course, when you got that much offense going on. You just you just need a little bit. You just need a little bit of some relief, you know. Just just stop them when you can. But anyways, for the White Sox, Andrew Vaughn will get a two-run home run, four total uh, RBIs. Uh, we have third baseman Jake Berger and also second baseman Lurie Garcia getting RBIs as well. But on the mound, Dallas Keuchel would struggle. Uh, he takes the L in this one. Two and five is a record so far in the season. Two innings of work from him. Seven hits, six earned runs, including two home runs. Like I said, they had to pull him. It was bad. You know, and the White Sox, they stay inconsistent despite being a pretty decent team last year. But, again, they're also struggling against teams above 500 as well. So, it is what it is. Uh, Brewers, they get the win 4-3 to three against the Cardinals. The Royals, they get a win here against the Twins 3-2. to two. We have the Phillies here uh, getting a win against the Braves 4-1. to one. And finally, like I said, it was someone in the water. A day of just getting runs on somebody. Uh, the Dodgers, they beat the shit out of the, the Diamondbacks 14-1. Yes, I said they beat the shit out of them 14-1. The Dodgers are 30-14. Uh, clearly, clearly head and shoulders above the rest of uh, the division. It looks like, in certain cases, the league. We'll have to look at the standings for just a little bit. And for the Diamondbacks, 23 and 24, they are, as normal, boo-boo. But anyways, let's look, at, let's look at the Dodgers and what they got done. Freddie Freeman, three-run home run in the second inning. Chris Taylor will get you a two-run home run as well. And Cody, Cody Bellinger, of course, still an asset, still around. You know, you just got Freddie Freeman there too. But he got you three RBIs as well. And on the mound, Justin Brewer will get the win one and one on the year. And for the Diamondbacks, all we can say is this is designated hitter, Christian Walker, will get y'all a solo home run. What is going on? Y'all explain to me why y'all not that good. Let's look at the standings. Uh, in the American League in the East, we have the Yankees here, 32 and 13, 6 and 4 in the last 10, 3 in a row, 3 wins in a row. I'll take that back. Looks like the Yankees are probably the best team right now in the league. Uh, we have the Rays here at 26 and 18, 5 and 5. Sorry, 5 and a half games back, 6 and 4 in the last 10. So they're, they're in the mix. You know, they're not out of it. We have the Blue Jays here again. A little bit disappointed in them. I had them, uh, of course, y'all knew I had them in first place uh, when I made my original predictions. 24 and 20 so far, 7 and a half games back. Uh, they have some solid momentum going as well, though. 6 and 4 in the last 10, also back to back wins for them. The Red Sox, uh, up and down. Their record doesn't really show uh, just how just how better they seem to have gotten, in my opinion. They're 21 and 23, 10 and a half games back, but they're 8 and 2 in the last 10. And of course, we know about Trevor Story. He's been improving offensively, and just a lot of uh, guys have been improving for them. Their pitching seems to be a little bit down, though, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's also I feel like defensively they're not playing as great as well because their pitchers are having some solid outings as well. But, they're, you know, maybe it's errors that they're giving up just defensively. They're just giving up a lot of runs as well. So, um, but again, uh, a little bit disappointing just in terms of their record. I I, I found I, I feel like, you know, second and third could have been interchangeable between them and the Rays. So, you know. Just to kind of see them struggling like this, it's weird. Two games below 500. I didn't see them two games below 500, just honestly. The Orioles, 18 to 27. Again, they're pretty much on route to be eliminated from the race pretty early. We've said this. 
Uh, let's move on to the Central. We have the Twins here at 27 and 18, 73 in the last 10. Back-to-back -back losses, though, but they'll they'll right the ship. They look pretty good this year. They look a lot better this year, so they'll be fine. The Chicago White Sox, uh, four and a half games back. Of course, we said they were at 522 and 22, five and five in the last 10. That's indicative of a 500 team. Guardians, 18 and 23, seven games back. I don't know what to make of this team either. I don't think they're that good, but. Neither are the White Sox, so there's a chance that they could possibly do something. I don't know. Nah, not with what we got going on in the AL East. Nah, nah. Anyways, the Tigers, aka the T Grace, out of Detroit, 16 to 28. Just as, just as, uh, sorry, the same record as the Royals, 16 to 28. Two bottom dwellers. Again, I'm disappointed in the Tigers. I had them. Uh, I had them in the mix. I definitely had the mix. I had them in the mix of this division. Just disappointed me. I thought the young players would come alive this year improve from the, the previous season but it just hasn't come to fruition and i'm disappointed in that pick i'm really disappointed that i really said that they would be all that i said oh they'll be at least in third place they'll look solid they'll be above 500 psych what am i talking about anyways let's go on to the west the astros again how how i'll tell you how they're always above 500 against teams that are above 500 that's what it is they beat good teams 29 and 16, 6 and 4 in the last 10, back to back wins. Angels, every time I seem to check up on them, they seem to be on a downtrend. Their record seems to be great or decent, well, good, anyways. 27 and 19, but they're 4 and 7, they're 4 and 6 in their last 10, back to back losses. Why every time when I check in on them, they're in a losing streak? I don't understand, but their record is still solid. The Rangers, 20 and 23, 8 games back, 6 and 4 in the last 10. They're riding back to back wins. The A's, of course, we talked about them. It's been a struggle, 19 and 28. And again, another team that fucking just just disappoint. The Mariners. This fucking team could have went to the playoffs without none of the players that they got in the offseason. They got Robbie Ray. They got Galspin, if I'm not mistaken. They got a whole bunch of motherfuckers there. And they garbage. How y'all 11 games back? Was it the bad juju for letting go of Trevor Story? I don't understand. I thought y'all upgraded in some departments. Man, that's why I don't make predictions before I see any type of baseball. Fuck all that. I don't like making predictions because mm -mm, mm -mm. in the National League, the Mets, I didn't have them highly, as highly rated. They're still highly rated. 29-17. I don't know shit about the NL East. That's, that's what that says to me. Yes, I can talk shit about myself. Yeah, I can be critical of myself. Why not? Anyway, 29-17 for the Mets. 6-4. Back-to-back -back losses, but they still in a firm grip of this division. Uh, it looks like the Braves just can't seem to get out their own way. Uh, five and five in their last ten, 21 and 24, seven and a half games back. Uh, the, the Phillies, 20, 20 and 24, same record here, four and six in their last ten. The Marlins, 18 and 24, five games back, four and six in their last ten. I think they're losing pace. Uh, they're losing ground right now. They seem to. They were a lot. They were a lot closer in the mix a couple weeks ago. I don't know what to make of the Marlins. Too much drama here, you know. But like I said, five games back, four and six in the last ten. And finally, we got the Nationals here, sixteen and thirty. Is anybody surprised? All they have is Juan Soto. I keep trying to tell y'all. Central, we got the Brewers here on top, 
I'm not surprised by that. 73 in the last 10, 29 and 16 is their current record. Three wins in a row. The Cardinals are 24 and 24 and a half games back for them. Back to back losses, five and five in the last 10. We have the Pirates here at 18 and 25, four and six in the last 10. The Cubs, four and six in the last 10 as well, 18 and 26. Back to back losses for them. And then the Reds, they're coming off of back to back wins, as I mentioned before, five and five in the last 10. So they're trying, I guess. 14 and a half games back, though. I don't see how much uh, they can do. 14 and 13, 14 and 30 so far. Yeah, yeah. I think y'all might want to pack it in. Like I know some of y'all individually will still be playing hard, but uh, yeah, yeah. Let's go out to the West. We have the Dodgers here at 30 and 14, 8 and 2 in the last 10. We have the Padres 28 and 17, 7 and 3 in their last 10. Back to back losses for them. We have the Giants here at 24 and 19, 5 and 5, 5 and a half games back, excuse me. Uh, back to back uh, losses for them, 4 and 6 in the last 10. Uh, seems like the Padres have kind of uh, usurped them as a surprise team. I thought the Giants would definitely be in the mix right now. Um, the Padres have surprised me, but then again, they got Tatis Jr., they got Machado, they got some solid guys there. The Giants, their core is getting a little bit older. Uh, you know, they're still trying to work things out in terms of their Buster Posey, um, you know, replacement. So, you know, it is what it is. But they're still a top 10 team, I believe, in both uh, pitching and hitting. So they'll, they'll find, they'll, you know, they'll find their way. For the Diamondbacks, they're 23 and 23, eight games back. Five and five in the last ten. I don't think this team makes any type of run. That's just me. I'm just counting them out. Same thing with the Rockies. This team is not going to win this division either. Twenty and twenty-four, three and seven in the last ten back-to-back L's. If you have an argument, if you feel some type of way about what I said about the other two teams, Diamondbacks and the Rockies, you can fight me. No, I'm joking. You don't need to fight. But they're not going to win this division. They, we should just kind of just X them right now. Just say they're eliminated. I'm just saying. There's no way that they're going to beat out the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers. All right, y'all, just wanted to put y'all back down to earth. And uh, we're going to take another quick break. And uh, when I come back, we'll be breaking down some basketball, of course. We are in the midst of, well, one conference final is completed. We got to get to this other one later on today. But we'll be breaking down the Western Conference Finals. We'll also be going over the all-NBA teams as well, of course. So stick around. I got some more to get through. All right, you know what it is. finals and um is anybody surprised about the warriors they get it done against the mavericks in five games i for one am not that that surprised now the mavericks would make it interesting in game four getting the win here 119 to 109 in that game uh steph will be the leading scorer for the warriors 20 points from him eight assists five rebounds luca will get to 30 points in that game nine assists 15 rebounds again uh, elevating himself on the scoring end. 
Uh, but again, he does uh, leave a lot to be desired defensively. He does need to improve there. He's one of my favorite players, but I can say where he needs some help. Uh, Dallas did improve their shooting in that game. Uh, 50% from the field, 46% from three. Uh, they would almost give up. They would, they would give up uh, 40 uh, points in the fourth quarter. Again, defensively, they need to make some improvements there. Uh, six total players for the Mavs scoring in double digits. So, again, they have a lot of players who play great offense for them. Uh, defense is where they're going to need to improve. Again, Luka, one of the premier, score, premier scorers in the league. We have him backed up by uh, Jalen Brunson, who's become a really really solid second option in this playoff run so they have a lot of things to um build upon in the future so they're not you know they're not they're not terrible they're not trash they they made a really good account for themselves in this series it is in my opinion the warriors just had too many answers okay so when we go to game five again the game clinching series um you know the warriors started out you know so hot they had a you know they had a huge lead I believe going into the half, the Mavs will make this interesting in this one. But again, just so many options for you know the Warriors in this in this series and just in general. Uh, Luka, of course, will be the leading the leading scorer for uh, Dallas in this game. Twenty eight points for him, six assists, eight rebounds. Jalen Brunson again helping out with twenty six points. But again, uh, Clay he comes alive. This is just who he is. I mean, when these guys get hot, you're not beating Clay and Steph when they get hot. Thirty two points from Clay. Three assists. They also got 15 points from Seth and nine assists. The Warriors again uh, shooting great uh, from the field, 50%. They outscored the Mavericks 49 to 20, uh, 49 to 21 in the second quarter. Uh, Curry would be the conference finals MVP. 23 points per game average for him. Uh, seven assists, over seven assists, also over six rebounds he averaged per game on 43% shooting. It looks like Clay is uh, in the game, so it's like, you know, whoever they have to face in the finals is is they better be ready. Uh, but the Mavericks again, um, you know, they they didn't play terrible. You know, they've had some really close games with these guys. Uh, game three, for example, 109, 100. Again, uh, they just need to make some improvements on defense. I think if they can sure and assure those things up. Again, um, another thing that the Warriors really uh, did really well, particularly in the closeout game uh, last night, was they rebound really well. They had like 51, uh, 51 rebounds, 14 offensive rebounds. The the Mavericks need to need somebody who can eat up some eat up some eat up some glass, uh, you know, and uh, get some rebounds and some extra opportunities for them. Because again, when we talk about that game three, uh, they didn't. I mean, again, they they lost by nine. But again, Luca is your star in that one. Forty points from him. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie helps out with twenty six points, but they will continue to struggle from that three in that game. Too much living and dying by the three. Twenty eight percent in game three for the Mavericks. So again, uh, they you know. They shoot from 28% from three in game in game three. Uh, they shoot from, I believe, 40%, 46% in game four. So just not consistent enough. Uh, and again, when you're playing against a team like Golden State, <laughs> I mean, uh, they're going to expose you, and um, particularly offensively. And you can make the case for, you know, oh, man, but, it, you know, I'm not going to go all into that. But the Warriors, again, I told y'all they had like three, four more runs in them. Y'all, y'all keep trying to doubt them. I mean, again, and, and the older that I get, maybe because I'm getting older and more wiser, you know, I'm definitely, again, I'm growing more into more appreciative of, of how this team plays basketball. I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm on the outside looking in, but I mean, again, it's it's hard not to be. 
<laughs> when he when they played so so well together for so many years, and uh, even Draymond. I mean, he, he's not he's not doing anything offensively per se, but he's still a great defensive uh, mastermind to have, and still you know is a great glue piece to have for the squad and. You know they have the, uh, our, you know they have the supporting cast around them with Jordan Poole. We got Donovan Kaminga who have who can have a big game uh, for them. Too many, too many um, pieces right now for the Warriors to not be favored to win right now. And I, I got them as my favorite. And I, you know, again, I've, I, so, I started out this run in 2015 just being, you know, a troll. Now I'm just like, nah, y'all hella good. Get it, get it done, boys. Get it done. I was talking hella shit about them in twenty. I remember, oh, they ain't gonna beat the Rockets. The Rockets is this. The James Harden, they beat you know LeBron. I was like, oh man, they beat him without all his his players. They beat him without Love and and Irving. I want to talk. No, now I'm just like, mm-mm, y'all good. Get the get the chip, boys. I had to switch it up on them. They just too good. They, you can't even troll them, motherfuckers. They you can't troll them. They troll proof. I. <laughs> I'll be the first person to say I'm not. I'm not a fan, but I'm damn near close to it. They play damn good, bro. They play damn good. Let's take a look at the East. Of course, we have the game. Uh, I believe it's Game Six tonight. Celtics Heat. Um, again, this series has gone back and forth. I don't know what to make of this series. Um, you know, of course, the Heat have had their moments. Uh, they had a couple blowout wins. The Celtics seem to have wrestled control. Uh, game three was a win for the Heat, one hundred three to one oh one oh nine to one hundred three. Excuse me, Bam was the leading scorer in this one. In, in that one, thirty one points, six assists, ten rebounds. PJ Tucker will put up seventeen points and seven rebounds. But Jalen Brown, uh, again, he's been showcasing his uh, his scoring output and his scoring abilities the last few games. Really been uh putting me on notice to what he can do but 40 points in game three nine rebounds al horford will put up 20 uh 20 and 14 for the for boston uh but they would have 23 turnovers in that game i think that would pretty much come back and haunt, haunt them of course because of course on the other end the heat are going to score on that you can't uh you can't say that they're not that's what they do uh but moving on to game four the uh the celtics get things handled they get things together and you have an off night from jimmy butler i don't know what's been up from him uh lately but he's been on a downturn uh but victor oladipo was a leading scorer for the heat in that game 23 points six assists four rebounds jason tatum will put up 31 points five assists and eight rebounds in that game but 33 percent shooting from miami from the field not gonna work 11 points in the first quarter 19 points in the third those things are not going to get you to win. It, and again, it, it just it shows in the box score. 11 points in the first quarter, 19 in the third. Yeah, it makes sense that they only put up 82 points in that game. So, again, it's it's been really weird. Uh, it's been up and down. Again, uh, the Celtics took control of the series uh, with a winning game 5, 93 to 80. Jalen Brown, 25 points from him, 4 rebounds. Bam Adebayo, leading scorer for the Heat, 18 points, 10 rebounds. More injuries for the Heat to speak of. Uh, he, uh, Tyler Hero, excuse me, he would suffer a strain growing. Uh, he would, um, you know, he'll be out at least a few days, maybe a week or so. Now, despite leading by five at the half, they were outscored, this being the Heat, 32 to 16 in the, in the third. So, again, um, Jimmy Butler hasn't, hasn't really shown up in the past few games. Uh, they're not playing as defensively as sound. The Celtics seem to be shooting at a pretty decent clip, 50% from the field here, uh, 40 high 40s there. 
You know, uh, Miami isn't getting the stops that it's getting. They're not generating. Uh, uh, well, outside of game three, they're not generating turnovers. So we'll have to see what happens in order. For, uh, again, the tail of the tape for them in game six, generate turnovers. You got to generate turnovers and score off the turnovers. 23 turnovers in game three. That was the last game that y'all won. Again, that's what they're going to have to do. Force Boston into, into some tough shots. I know it's difficult, but you can't let Jason Chatham and Jalen Brown score damn near 40 or 30 on you. Uh, it's, you know, it's um, it's some things that y'all got to work on and rectify. Uh, Jimmy Butler has to show up for one. As far as the Celtics are concerned, uh, it's I would say it's business as usual. You've won two games in a row. You've done it convincingly. Uh, the one game that you lost, uh, you know, pretty handedly, uh, you had someone that you could address, which was the turnovers, and it looks like y'all did. Uh, I think for the Celtics, like I said, don't turn the ball over. Uh, continuously to, to, I would say, put the, the pedal to the metal in terms of scoring. Just get to the basket. Score. Get your, get your, uh, get your threes early. Score on that team. I don't know if they can keep up with you. If they can't stop you, they they're not they're not going to keep up with y'all offensively. I don't think they have the offense to keep up with Boston and, and what they can do in the at the you know at the volume that they're putting up shots. They have to for Miami. They have to stop them. They have to they have to get you know turnovers. Boston can put up you know Jason Tatum. It looks like Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown are due for a point combined game. Who knows? <laughs> you know, um, I think they can do that. Uh, I have. Um, just with just how, and I can be wrong, but I'm going to go with how my gut has been, has, uh, you know, with my gut and just how Miami has been looking. I'm going to go with the Celtics to close things out. They've been playing really good team basketball. Marcus Smart is back, a uh, really great defensive anchor. Again, Miami, they're not generating the turnover that they need to. They're not putting Boston in disadvantaged situations scoring-wise. You know, Jimmy Butler just seems to have lost a step. Maybe he's tired in this series. I don't know. Uh, he's in and out of the lineup. We'll see what happens with him. And, you know, yeah, I, I even had to look at the news and just kind of see if there's anything up with Jimmy um, in terms of an injury thing. No, he's just he's just struggling. Um, and that's and that's not um, that's not really, you know, I don't know what to, that, that I think that's the biggest I think that's the biggest mystery. That's that's the biggest mystery right now. Uh, four of eighteen in the last showing, uh, in the in in the Heat's last game, four of eighteen for him, and it's, that's not gonna get it done from somebody that you know it's you know that that's who the team relies upon for both for both offense and defense. Really, in reality, let's be real here. Um, if Bam is is the leading scorer for them, it looks like they're not gonna win that game. Uh, let's be real here. Uh, it looks like he's uh. Uh, sorry, negative 15 in terms of his plus minus, one of five from deep as well, just to go back to his shooting. You know, he's giving up turnovers. So he's he's not looking good. He's not looking good right now. And I think uh, that's been the, the, the factor right now into why they're struggling. Nine and a half points a game since game three. Uh, he, that's his average. Uh, seven, thir- seven to 32 from the field, one of seven from three. Something's going to have to get from him or they're going to lose tonight. That's it. That's it. All right, y'all. Let's move on to the All-NBA teams. Let's make this quick. Uh, Let's start off with the All-NBA. First team, we got your boy Devin Booker here uh, for the Suns. First selection to the All-First team. uh, 26 points he averaged last season or, you know, this this season that just wrapped up. uh, Over four rebounds, five, five, uh, sorry, over four assists, 
5.5 rebounds on 46% shooting, 38% from 3. He also averaged a steal per game, so improving uh, improving in all departments in, in some in some regard. We also got uh, Luka Dantix, his, his third first-team selection, the first player to be selected to three all, all NBA first teams before the age of 24. We got Jason Tatum here. Averaged over 26 per game, 26 points per game last season as well. Four assists, also eight rebounds, 45% shooting from the field, 35% shooting from three. Nine, uh, over nine, or sorry, 9.6 in terms of his win shares. Uh, really solid, uh, really valued asset for Boston right now. We can see what's going on uh, in the playoffs right now. But it's a career high. He had a career high this season in total points scored with over 2,000, 2,046 to be exact. Up next, we have Giannis received uh, more first-team votes than anybody else. Uh, well, actually, he received first-team votes on all 100 ballots, four straight first-team selection, six overall all-team selection. So, again, one of the best players in the league we're looking at here. Jokic, MVP, of course, third straight first all-team selection. Is this a surprise? No. Let's go to the second team where we have Joel Embiid, his fourth second-team selection in five seasons. John Morant, his first selection. Of course, he is the most in, sorry, the most improved player going into the season, although I'm a little bit iffy on that because I just feel like uh, there's somebody else. I can't, I, I can't remember his name. His name isn't coming to me right now, but there's somebody else that I felt that was a little bit more deserved. Oh, DeMar DeRozan. I'm just being honest. I think he was a little bit more deserving of that uh, award when I look back on it. Don't get me wrong. John Moran is hot. I love John Moran. He's my favorite point guard in the league. I just thought DeMar DeRozan was a little bit more deserving of it just through what he's been through. But anyway, Steph Curry, uh, KD, we got DeMar DeRozan, as I mentioned. Uh, career high in points per game from him, 27, almost 30 from him. Also, uh Total points scored over 2,000. Uh, again, both of those career highs. Uh, second best field goal, uh, second best shooting percentage in terms of the, the field in his career at over 50%. Uh, his career best three point percentage at over 35%. So again, I I personally thought he was the most improved player. Uh, again, when I look back at back at all the stats, that was me. Again, I, that's no shot at John Morant. I love him. He's my favorite point guard. I'll, I'll keep reiterating that. But DeMar DeRozan. Had a really good season, and his his numbers were impactful for that Bulls team. But, again, I digress. Let's move on to the third team. We had Carl Anthony Town, his second appearance on the third team. We have LeBron, his 18th overall all-team selection. We have Chris Paul, his 11th selection, the second most among active players, of course, to LeBron. We got Trey Young and Pascal Siakam lining everything out for the third team. Pascal Siakam averaged over 24 points per game this year, over 9 rebounds, almost 10 rebounds to be exact, and 10.3 in re win share. So, again, very important to this team, as we can see. Let's look at the all-rookie team. Scotty Barnes, guard for the Raptors, rookie of the year. Uh, also ranked third among rookies in scoring per game, 15.3. Also third in rebounds as well as well at 7.5. Named the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month two times last season. We have Cade Cunningham of the Pistons, first overall pick. Led all rookies in scoring with 17 uh, points, over 17 points per game. And also was second in assists with over 5. And we also got Evan Mobley of the Cavs, Ford. We, he finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, Led all first years in rebounds with over eight. 
you also let off first year some blocks with over one uh 1.6 to be exact and you also were fifth in scoring with about 15 points per game we got franz wagner of the magic uh eastern conference we get the month for december and started in 79 games last season he's also the top five scorer among the rookies jalen green uh the rockets he rounds out the first team of the all rookies first sorry western conference we get a month in april second in scoring at above 17 points and he also scored uh sorry he also scored at least 20 points in 17 of his last 25 games so really an emerging talent on the offensive end uh, we'll see how how much he can progress in the seasons to come. Let's move on to the second team where we have Herbert Jones of the Pelicans, Josh Giddy of the OKC Thunder, Bones Highland of the Nuggets, Ayo Dosunmu of the Bulls, and Chris Duarte of the Pacers. Let's move on to the all-defensive team. The first team we have Marcus Smart. Again, no Brandon Defensive Player of the Year. We have Giannis here, Mikhail Bridges of the Suns, Jaron Jackson of the Grizzlies, and Rudy Gobert. And also, when we go to the second team, we have Bam Adebayo, uh, Draymond Green. I'm not surprised by that. Been a, been always a, or always been a great uh, significant defensive factor for the Golden State Warriors. It is what it is. We have Drew Holiday here uh, from the Pelicans. Does he still play? I didn't forgot. Sorry, y'all. Matisse Thibault from the Sixers and Robert Williams of the Celtics. Robert Williams the third, to be exact. Put some respect on his name. Sorry, Drew. Can't remember what team you played for. <laughs> that slips my mind. Um, but anyways, let's take a look before I let y'all go. I might as well do it since I didn't took the time to make these notes. Let's take a quick look at the draft board going into the NBA. Of course, it's pretty much set, uh, of course, after the season's over. Uh, we'll talk about the, the draft rankings of who be, will be picking where a little bit later. But let's just talk about the prospects for a little bit. Uh, the top 10 to be exact. Let's look at uh, Jabari Smith first. Four out of Auburn, uh, he's risen up to the number one prospect. 16 uh, points per game, 16.9, almost 17 points per game averaged from him. Uh, seven rebounds, 42% shooting uh, in his one year in college. 42%, sorry, 42% shooting from the field, 42% shooting from three. Uh, he has a PER of 26, so pretty solid for, in that department. All-conference rookie of the year, uh, so their best freshman, SEC all-freshman team from him. Uh, and uh, he's... Be, uh, also a consensus All-American. Uh, he's being praised in terms of his uh, jump shooting and also his pick and pop abilities. Also his floor spacing. Uh, as also his ability to switch on defense. He does have issues with his feet work and ball handling. Uh, and he doesn't get to the rim as often. But I believe these things can be rectified, of course, with the right coaching staff. We'll see. Again, we'll figure out who will be picking where uh, as we move along. Uh, we have Jaden Ivey here, uh, a guard out of Purdue, uh, 14 points per game in terms of his career numbers, uh, four rebounds a game, also 44% shooting. The thing is, though, he brought all those numbers up in his final season in college, 17 points per game in 2021-2022, uh, 4.9, almost five rebounds from him, also three assists, and again, that uh, that. 17 points is up from 11 points the season before. So, hey, there you go. Uh, he's also shooting, uh, well, he's also shooting one up. His shooting percentage just went up 46% from the field, up from 39% in 2020. Also 35% uh, from the three-point line, to up from 25% last season. Now, his best trait is going to be his speed, particularly with his size, 6'4", 220. And they're saying that's going to be 
particularly needed in the transition defense and also he has good defensive skills overall he does need to work on his three-point consistency as well as other point guard essentials such as passing and his decision making so again he comes in there physically ready to go i think in terms of his shooting he's ready to go but there is some things of course he needs to work on uh to make him a better you know better at the position so number two uh number two prospect Jaden ivy out of purdue up next we got paulo banchero forward out of duke averaged 17 points per game last season in his one year his uh, over over seven rebounds three assists on 47 percent shooting from the three of 47 47 percent shooting from the field excuse me 33 percent from the three all tournament team player again very solid when it came to the postseason uh, great size at 6'10", 250, and can be an asset in the paint who can pass well and create mismatches on offense. He does need to perfect his jump shot because, again, this is where the league is at right now. They want the big men to be able to shoot as well as go to the paint, and that's okay with me. It's okay to do more. Uh, he needs to become more reliable on the defensive end as well. Uh, I think they mean um, pass blocking. Uh, sorry, not pass blocking. Uh, this is not football uh what they what i mean by that is shot blocking uh needs to be better a better win a rim protector um also of course with you know where the game is at right now he can uh see to get a little bit better with his footwork and get better at uh sorry perimeter defense as well uh let's move on to chet holmgren i think he's the most overrated prospect in my opinion uh ford out of gonzaga 14 points on the year he averaged nine over nine rebounds, 60% shooting, 39% from the from the field conference defensive player of the year, 31% PER. Jamal, why do you think he's overrated? He seems pretty good to me. I saw him play in the tournament. They was punking him. He didn't have the size. He didn't have the heart, in my opinion. Them boys, the St. Peter's boys, punked him. The boys in the round before that, punked him. I didn't think he was all that. I think he's going to get punked on the level, on the next level, unless he gets bigger. That's just me. Sorry, I'm not sold. Um, varied offensive skill set. That's what they're saying. He can space the floors, ball handling, I guess, until somebody, you know, puts some real defense on him. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not impressed by what I saw. Again, the most overrated prospect in my opinion. I think he has Adam Morrison written all written on him, all written over him. That's me. They're going to be mad at me for saying that take. I don't care. I'm going to say it right now. Up next, we got Shaden Sharp, guard out of Kentucky. Now, he hasn't played any college basketball, so we don't know what the fuck is going on with him. Uh, he's a consensus five-star recruit out of high school, 6'6", 200, seven-foot wingspan, great leaping, leaping ability, but we haven't seen that in-game action, so I don't know. Uh, primarily works offensively as a slasher, uh, but is starting to become a proficient shooter. Again, this is all through practice because I haven't seen a game yet. I'm going to take the scout's word for it. Uh, he can attack the rim from both sides, apparently, on his slashing shit. Uh, lack of playmaking ability uh, is said to, um, it's, it could it could hamper his potential, uh, his full potential in the league, uh, particularly if it's not rectified. Also needs to become more engaged on defense. Is also said to be a great size to be defender on that end. So, um, it's an effort thing. So, again, there you go. Up next, we got Keegan Murray, a very interesting prospect, to say the least. Um, last year, he averaged 23.5 points per game, 8 rebounds on 55% shooting, 39% from uh, 39% from 3. Uh, they're, they're labeling him as a day one potential starter with good size, 6'8", 225. 
Uh, he can pretty much play efficiently in that forward position, but could improve his passing and outside scoring, of course. Again, that's where the league is at. They want their forwards to be able to shoot. Again, it is what it is. You got to just go with it. Johnny Davis, shooting guard out of Wisconsin, is your next prospect up. 2010 Big Ten to Player of the Year. Almost 20 points per game he averaged. He almost he also averaged eight rebounds on 42% shooting, 32, 30% from the from three, excuse me. Uh, profici- proficient all around on offense and playmaking. Uh, he does need to improve his three-point shooting. Uh, he can score double. He scored double, scored in double digits in 30 out of 31 games uh, for Wisconsin last season. So he can score. He can put the ball in the basket. Again, they want him to. Uh, what scouts are looking for him to do, you know, eventually is to uh, improve that three-point shooting and uh, go from there. Go from there. But he seems to have all the tools pretty much set to be to be in the mix early. Um, if anything, like a Franz Wagner, in my opinion. Uh, really solid scoring. Uh, maybe Kay Cunningham, even. That's me. In terms of scoring, I'm not saying he's going to be the all-around best player uh, that we've seen, but offensively, I think uh, low-key, I think he has the potential to be one of the better offensive players of this of this, uh, this top 10, at least in my opinion. Uh, behind him, we have Dyson Daniels. Guard slash forward, coming from the G League at night. Uh, 11 points per game uh, from him. Over five, almost six rebounds, four assists from him on 44% shooting, 25% from three. Versatile. He has uh, he has a versatile uh, skill set and abilities to make to play multiple positions, including point guard. I think the fact that he's again in the G League and in, in that uh, realm, a lot of teams are going to be like, mm, okay, so he's already kind of he knows kind of the the move, he knows the system, so. I think that's going to be a highlight for him wherever he goes. Um, behind him, we have Jeremy Sokan out of Baylor, a Ford, Big 12 All-Freshman. Conference, he was a conference six-man of the year. Nine points from him, six rebounds, 47% from uh, 47% shooting from the field, 29% from three. Averaging over a steal per game. Uh, great IQ is what, the, is what the scouts are saying and can defend multiple positions. Uh, he also needs to improve that outside shooting. Um, I don't have, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that's true. Uh, I did see some of him play, uh, some of his play again in the NCAA tournament. I thought he was great coming off the bench. Uh, he, I saw him defend in multiple positions. I think that's true. Uh, I definitely think he can improve his offensive, uh, well, his scoring. Uh, that that could be improved upon, but he plays some damn good defense, uh, particularly in the team defense uh, setup. Again, he could get steals as well. I think he's a good, he's an underrated uh, pick right now. Uh, definitely somebody who can, he doesn't need, need to be a starter. He's already used to kind of uh, playing within a role. Uh, so in the beginning, particularly when you're trying to get him to improve on his skills, that'll be a great, that'll be a boon from him because again, he's already used to kind of just taking a step back. And being, you know, and you know, coming off the bench, so he he'll be all right trying to make that transition and work his way into a potential starting spot. I think he'll be okay with that. And finally, we have Benedict Matherin, uh, shooting guard out of Arizona, Pac-12 Player of the Year, Pac-12 All Freshman Team, also All Pac-12 Team member as well as a consensus All-American. So again, the pattern that you're gonna see with these guys, all Americans, all conference. They, you know, they played really good basketball. Of course, they wouldn't be here. Uh, 17 points per, points per game from him, over five rebounds, 45% shooting, uh, three, 36% shooting from the field. Decent enough shooting to play immediately, this is what they're saying, but he does need to, need to improve his playmaking. So, um, you know, looks like a, a spot-up shooter. 
not so much somebody who can create his own shot and you can rely upon him to do that, maybe do some isolation. Not that just yet, uh, but you can set him up with a pass, see what he can do, and go from there. Again, they're saying he could he could start if that's what he's doing. That's that's for, that's what I'm getting. That's what my understanding is telling me. <laughs> All right, y'all. If you like what you heard, please be sure to follow me. Please be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Of course, we have some projects that are coming there, coming out on there. So please be sure to like and subscribe that. Like and subscribe to that as well. I'll be leaving my uh, link to my Instagram available for you guys in the description of this episode. And again, if anybody hasn't told you yet, guys, peace out, one love, and I'll holler at you guys later.